Thank you for joining us again this evening. It's a great pleasure, a great joy, a great blessing, though we are apart from one another, to come together in this very special way to find refreshing and blessing from the presence of the Lord. And there's no other way, no other place to find it. So may this be a delightful time of help and encouragement, instruction, and uh, shall we say... A renewing of zeal for, for the work of the Lord. So for the last lesson, we want to look tonight at Romans chapter 12. And I think we'll read through the entire chapter. Very, very practical material. I wanted to go back into chapter 11, but then I think that would just kind of change the tone of it. So let's begin with chapter 12 and verse number 1. Notice the word, therefore. That is because everything comes from God, everything comes through God, and everything ends up in God, according to the previous verse in chapter 11. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies, that's the compassions of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove or demonstrate what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allowed allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to execute them accordingly, if prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith, if service, in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Mm -hmm. Give preference to one another in honor not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. And weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, mm -hmm. be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. 
And if he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Hmm. Wow, that's a lot of practical instruction. Yes, it is. Now we've just got to figure out how to implement it. <laughs> <laughs> well, teach us how now in the lesson tonight. Well, I'll do my best. I'll do my best. It has to do with relationships. Yes, and that's the idea of connections here. Critical connections is kind of the focus of tonight. And we're ending up this uh, study of the thriving church. If you haven't read the book, I would encourage you to get it. We turned 12 chapters into like 20 or 21 lessons. So there's a lot of material in here uh, in, a, in a little book, of not, not too many pages, and not hard to read, but uh, I would encourage you to pick up a copy and, uh, and work on it in your own personal life. Uh, now, some have asked me already, what are we going to do after, now that we're finishing up this study? Uh, next week, I plan on Wednesday night to go into a new book called Triumphing Over Sinful Fear. It was originally written by a Puritan back in 16, I think 28, it says here. 1630 or something like no 1628 something like that and uh, and it's been re redone and modified and came out in 2011 but it is so practical for today i was reading out of it today and finding really good material that i think will be helpful to us especially as we anticipate moving back into our church building getting our congregation back together and i know that there's a lot of concerns and fears we want to make sure we do things right but ultimately if we fear god he'll give us direction and we'll have peace as we get back together. Now tonight, let's go back to uh, where we've been in Ephesians chapter 4. That's kind of been the whole focus of the entire book, The Thriving Church, that deals with church growth and what church growth is. And it's been a wonderful guidebook. A lot of, lot of details in there that, that, uh, that uh, my friend Dean Taylor has been able to bring out. But let's focus tonight on Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, and then we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll see what God has for us in the lesson here. It says in Ephesians 4, 15, and 16, We are to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Now, we uh, have, are in this last chapter, and, and the title of the chapter is Critical Connections. You know, we would be a mess if our body stopped here and we didn't connect our forearm with our upper arm. We'd be in a mess if we didn't connect our toes to our feet. We'd be in a mess if our body was all just a bunch of empty parts all over the place. And we'd really be a mess without that all-important joint between the head and the rest of the body. And last week we focused on the church's relationship with Jesus Christ. He is the head, and we want to make sure that we, as a church and a church body, are properly connected to him and are getting the signals from him, who is our head, the brain, and, and the master of our church and the, and the leader that we are to be following. Every individual Christian has a relationship with the head. We talked about this last week. Automatically, if the brain speaks to the toe, it goes all the way down, but it goes through the whole body to get there. But, but it's almost like there's a direct connection from the brain to the toe. And that's, it seems like a long way apart, but every part has a direct connection to the head. And that's so important that we understand that Jesus Christ is the head of each one of us in our individual parts in the body. 
But at the same time, it's important that all of those body parts work together. That's why we talk about the church being the body of Christ. It all has to be working together, coordinated, to accomplish the purpose that the head wants accomplished. Now, there's an objective part of this whole connection between the head and the rest of the body, and that's the part that God gives us at the moment of our salvation. In John chapter 10, verse 28, it talks about how the fact is that the moment that we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, He becomes our head, and He says, I give to them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. This is something that God does for us, the Lord Jesus Christ does for us. We don't earn it, we don't necessarily deserve it, but he, He's told us to ask for it, and He says, if you'll call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved, and you become a part of the body of Christ. That's the objective thing. Christ does that. He holds it together. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, it says, He is also the head of the body. And he is the beginning of the firstborn, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will, will come to have first place in everything. And just like the head has to tell the rest of the body what's going on, the Lord Jesus Christ has to tell the church what it should do. And uh, I appreciated what Pastor said. We've been trying to figure out when we should start meeting together as a church again. And we've been asking the Lord and asking for the mind of Christ so that we can make a, a united decision as a church body to, re, uh, to follow the Lord by reuniting uh, when the time comes. I, I couldn't believe it today. I was thinking about it. It's been a year that we have been uh, in these live stream services. And I can hardly wait till we get back to, uh, to what we're normally used to as, as, as a body of believers meeting together on Sundays and Wednesdays. We'll see how the Lord works all those things out. But there is a joint that connects the head to the rest of the body. It's important, that neck that connects us all together. And that's, the, that's what the Lord gives to us. He is the one who keeps us all together. But there's a subjective part to this relationship with the head, and that is that we need to kind of make sure that we're communicating. And we need to do our part to communicate with the Lord. First of all, by hearing from Him through either reading of God's Word. I hope that you have a plan whereby you are systematically reading God's Word for yourself. Some people try to read through the whole, whole, the whole Bible in a year. I know uh, Pastor Kelly mentioned that he's trying to read through a book over and over and over and over again until it really becomes a part of his life. Other people have devotional plans and other things. But have some sort of systematic uh, plan by which you are in God's Word. Even just a daily bread, something uh, that will help you to be in connection with the head through uh, through the reading of the Bible. Also, you need to be you connect with the head by hearing God's word preached. Thank you for listening to the live stream service. Look forward to the time when you can come and hear live preaching at church and uh, teaching from a Sunday school class and and the fellowship that comes from being with one another. Discussing the things of God, meditating on the things of God. That's where the Lord, the head, speaks to us. But then there's the other end, and that's where we communicate back with the head. We send signals to the head. Just like when you uh, hurt your finger, there's a signal that goes from your finger straight up to the head. It tells, it tells the head there's something going on that needs to, needs to change. There's something I need a little bit of help. And, uh, and we have to have that kind of communication. And that's what, as a church body, we call corporate prayer. That's where we get together as a church body and we speak to the head, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And uh, there's prayer meetings. There are times when we lead bef- lead in prayer like Pastor Kelly did before this live stream service. There's times even when you pray before we go into a business meeting. We want the mind of God. And we ask the Lord for that. We pray before we go into a Sunday school class. Sometimes we have uh, extended prayer meetings like the days of prayer that our church has a couple of times of year where we get together for the entire day to pray to the Lord. And it's a lot of work. Prayer is work. It's not easy. It's a lot easier not to pray than it is to pray. It's, it's important that we, we make an effort to speak. Just like in your, in your own personal family, if the husband and wife are not communicating with one another, there's going to be a problem. And a church is going to miss out on something if it's not communicating with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when we get together for prayer, it's important that we do, and I'm reviewing again, it's important that we do more than just do what we sometimes do, where we have these prayer lists. Pray for Matilda. She's having a problem with with part of her body. She need, she's having surgery. Pray for George. He's, he's had a heart attack, and we need to pray that his heart will heal. And those are good things. We need to be praying about those things, those physical things, but we need to go beyond that, what someone has called an organ concert, where we pray for each other's organs that are hurting. We need to be praying for spiritual depth. We need to be praying for wisdom, um, not just the physical things, but, but growth personally, asking God to give us what we need. So it's very important that we have this. The Apostle Paul gave a model prayer that we read last week in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. A wonderful prayer that tells us how we should be praying and and why we should be praying and who we should be praying to and, and what we should be praying for. So let's just review that really quickly. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, the reason the Apostle Paul prayed, why he prayed, was so that they would have united access as a church for this reason. I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. And that reason, we look earlier in Ephesians and we find out that there was a group of people that had gathered there in Ephesus as a church body. And some of them were Jews and some of them were were Gentiles. And boy, mixing Jews and Gentiles in those days was like putting water and oil in the same cup. And they don't mix together very well. It takes a miracle for that kind of a mixture to take place. And it takes a miracle sometimes for people from all all different parts of the United States, all different parts of the world, uh, people from from uh, with one skin tone and another with a different skin tone, people with one language and another language, and sometimes, like in our church, maybe as many as 20 different languages, to find unity. When we unite together in prayer, there's something that happens when our hearts are united in prayer that brings unity to a local church. So the reason that the Apostle Paul prayed was so that all these people could come together. In another way, something else about that model prayer was the way that he prayed. It says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, he says, I bow my knees. Now, again, sometimes people get down on their knees. I remember going to the Pacific Garden Mission many years ago as a high schooler and, and meeting with Harry Saulnier, the director of the Pacific Garden Mission. And that man had quite a connection with those homeless people, the people, the street people that would come into that mission. Uh, but before he would go, and then he would he would walk into a, a service, and he would literally shake hands with as many people as he could before the before a preaching service took place at the Pacific Garden Mission. But I went with him into a room in the back where he actually, with all of his problems with arthritis and, and his age, got down on his knees and he prayed. 
humbly before God for the souls of those men and women who would be in that service. And it was as if, I'm, I'm serious, it was as if a convertible went over on the top of the, up top of the building and you could look straight up and see heaven because that man humbly prayed and beseeched God on the behalf of those people. That's the way we need to go to prayer as uh, as a church, humbly before God. We may not necessarily physically get down on our knees, but we should bow our hearts and minds before God. To whom did Paul pray? He prayed to God the Father. He's praying to the one who is the the creator of it all, the one who is the sustainer of it all. He has everything. He says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth on and on heaven, every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. We all came from God the Father. And he has all the resources of heaven, all the resources of his omnipotence at our disposal. And so when we go to prayer, we're praying to our Father who loves us. And just like just before the service tonight, I was able to take my daughter and son-in-law and grandson out for a meal with my wife. And uh, we had some time together, and I just enjoyed being with them. And when we go, and I enjoyed being able to take care of them and pay the bill. Uh, one day I'll let him pay it. But but right now I enjoyed paying the bill while I had the opportunity to do so. God the Father always enjoys taking care of us and meeting our needs. And for what did Paul pray? It says, "For this reason I bow my knees before the Father." Verse sixteen, that He would grant you something. He was we we when we go to prayer, we're actually supposed to ask God for things. Yes, we ask God for the physical strength that we need. But we also need to be asking God for the spiritual strength and the spiritual insight that we need and the spiritual wisdom that we need to accomplish what he as the head wants us as individuals and as a church to accomplish for him. Paul prayed several things. He prayed for strength. He prayed for submission. He prayed for comprehension of the love of God. He prayed for growth in godliness. And he prayed for God's glory. Those are all those things that we need to be praying for when we get together with the Lord in prayer. Um, he prayed for strength. Let's go there. In verses, verse, uh, verse 15, or verse 16, he prayed that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. In John chapter 15, uh, Jesus said to the disciples, he says, Without me, ye can do nothing. You can't do anything without me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you're not connected to me, you're not going to be able to accomplish anything good and spiritual. But then Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We have a have to find our strength by going to the Lord. That's the value of prayer, individually and corporately as a church. Paul prayed for submission for Christ's headship, submission to Christ's headship. And that is in verse 17, he prayed that Christ would dwell in their hearts through faith. To dwell is to make yourself at home. We talked about this a little bit last week. I didn't come up here to the Kelly's house and rearrange the furniture. Now, they do that before we have every one of these services. But I let them do that, and then they put it back the way they want it when it's over. It's not my place. It's not my, my place to do that. I help if they ask, but it's their place to make those decisions. And when Christ moves into our heart, he has full access to move things around in our life, as he should, and, and according to his will. And so they, they, Paul prayed that they would submit to whatever the headship of the Lord wanted in their hearts, individually and as a church. Paul prayed for comprehensions of Christ's love. 
Now we can hear about Christ's love, but the, the more we walk with the Lord, the more we really understand uh, how much he loves us and the depth of Christ's love for us. It says in verse 17 that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. You know, if you know the Lord loves you, it's really easy to submit to him. If you know that he has your best interests at heart, it's easy to submit to him. If you know as a church that God wants what's best for your church, it's easy to submit to him. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, it says, There's no fear in love. When you know someone loves you, you can trust them. And this is the way it is. And this is the way it should be in our church. So Paul prayed that they would have an understanding of how much Christ loved them so that he would take care, uh, that he, and so that they could trust him so he could lead them. Paul prayed for growth in godliness, that they would be more like the Lord Jesus. For this reason, Ephesians 3, verse 14, and then verse 19, it says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. In verse 19, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now we've read over and over again throughout this study in John, where it says that Jesus Christ was full of grace and truth. And as we become more like the Lord and we grow uh, in, in godliness, we will be more and more gracious with people. We will be more and more truthful with people. We will tell people what they need to hear in a loving fashion. We will be speaking the truth to one another in love, as the Lord Jesus Christ did. We spent quite a few lessons on that idea. And then Paul prayed for God's glory through answered prayer. And says in verses 20 and 21, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so this is what we've been talking about, this wonderful connection. We go to the Lord in prayer to be connected to him, to find out what it is that he wants for us. And all the, all the wonderful things that he has in store for us. To learn the mind of Christ, to learn the will of God, so that we as a church can work together to accomplish what he wants. It's very important that we have that critical connection, the connection between the body of Christ to the Lord Jesus Christ, the head himself. But then it says in verse 16 of Ephesians chapter 3, that the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. We grow as a church as we become like the Lord, but we also grow as a church as we unite with one another in the work of the Lord, accomplishing the, the, the will of the Lord. Paul frequently reminds us that every Christian is a part of the body of Christ. Every Christian. Now you look at, look at some people even in your own church and you go, that one is a little bit different than I am. Uh, that one's a little bit odd. That person's a little bit, I don't know what to do with them. But you've got to remember that person is important because that person is part of the body of Christ. Not everybody is just like you. Not everybody is a little finger. Some people are thumbs, some people are elbows. All of us are different parts of a body, and we're all needed to be able to accomplish everything God wants us to do. It's interesting to me when I think of the body of Christ. There are people that talk about the universal church, and I think that is a true thing. In a sense, 
every Christian from the very beginning all the way through uh, is a part of this body. And I think it's going to be wonderful when we get to heaven to meet the 12 disciples or, and uh, to learn about them and learn what their lives are like, were like and really get to know their personalities. I, I don't know. I, I might be a little bit afraid of Peter. He was pretty boisterous. But I'd like to meet the Apostle John. He was kind of kind and loving. Uh, all of them were different, but they, they were, they're part of my family. They're in heaven. I, won't, I, don't, I haven't met them, I, but I look forward to one day meeting them. We, that goes all the way back to Adam, who put his trust in the Lord, and Abraham, and all those people that eventually put their trust in the Lord. What a, what a wonderful thing to think that we're going to be a part of that body. And then to think of all the people that we have known in the past, believers, people who trusted Christ. I think of, of a Mrs. Browning in our church. I have never met her. I heard a lot about her. I heard that she would get up and walk out of a meeting to go get a haircut. She must have been some kind of a spunky person. I'd like to meet her someday. And I can't wait to do so. But, uh, but she's part of the body of Christ. And one day we'll all get together. But until then, we have to be careful to work with the ones that God has left us right now. Here in the local church body. There are, there are Christians in Africa I think of my, my friend, uh, I call him Bubbly, Brother, uh, Brother Shea Babalola, who's working down with churches, uh, with Christians in Nigeria. They're part of the same body that I'm a part of, but boy, I haven't met any of those guys yet, except for Shea, and I like him, I like his family. But one day we'll all be together, whether we're from Africa, America, the Philippines, China, wherever we're from, we're all going to be united, but that's not going to be until we get to heaven. In the meantime, we've got to learn to get along with the Christians that are right here within our own local church to work together to accomplish what God wants us to do. Someone had made a, a statement that I think is pretty good. It says, to dwell above with the saints we love, that will be grace and glory. We can't wait to get to heaven to be with all those Christians. But it says, to dwell below with saints we know? Well, that's another story. And sometimes we don't always get along within the local church. Of course, we can't get to know every Christian. And we're not always going to be the best friends with every single person in our church. But there should be a love and a unity, and we should be able to work together to accomplish what God wants us to do. God has established local churches as sort of a branch office of that body, that universal church. Um, Sometimes we go to church and the only thing we know is, I, I, I mean, I've, I've even heard sometimes even recently some of the, some of the, the names that get pulled out of the, the fishbowl on Sunday. And I say, hmm, I heard that name, but I can't put a face to that person. And then there's sometimes I think about people that have been in our church and I recognize their face, but boy, did I ever get to know their name. It's important that we work at those types of connections so that we can accomplish what God wants us to do. You understand, connections are opportunity for ministry to those people and with those people to accomplish God's will. Now let's go to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16 there again for just a little bit more and see, kind of get an understanding of how this works. You see, believers in a local church are fitted together by the master builder. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, it says, The whole body being fitted together causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. This is pretty easy for me to comprehend. My grandfather was a brick mason. And I would watch him, and I would help him. I'd mix the mortar, and I would hand him a brick. Hand me another brick, Dan. 
and I would hand him a brick, and he would say, no, that's not the right one. I don't need that one right now. Set that aside. I'll use that someplace else. And he would grab the right brick for the right spot, and he would make it fit together to build the wall or, the, or whatever it was we were building. Uh, in the ancient times, they would take gigantic stones, and they would cut them in another place. When they built the temple, they didn't have the cutting of the stones right there. They cut them in another place, and they cut them with such precision that they could set two stones right next to each other, and you couldn't fit a sheet of paper in between those gigantic multi-ton stones, and they would fit together, and it was almost as if they grew together to become a wall. This is the idea here of a master builder fitting us together. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ knows exactly who needs to be in our local church. And he brings those people to our local church at his perfect time. Pray ye therefore, Lord of the harvest, that he will send laborers into the field. And uh, this is the way we need to be praying, that God will bring us and fit together the local church as he wants it. It says in uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, not only are we fitted together, we're held together. Uh, local church, local churches are held together. Um, the other day we were listening as uh, we were talking on a Tuesday night, I think, during one of our Zoom fellowships with Grace Jaja, and she likes to knit, and she would take total strand, different strands of yarn, and stretch them out, and she would put them together. And I never have been able to figure out how they do that, but they take those knitting needles and they weave those yarn, those pieces of yarn together, long strings. And they somehow come out together with something beautiful. Uh, sometimes maybe it's not beautiful, it's just useful. I, I remember Grace grabbing my head one time before I was moving to New England one time. And she measured my head with her hands and then she knitted together a stocking cap that was perfectly fitted for my head. And I'm uh, so thankful for that. Uh, now, this is what we're talking about. If, if, and then it, it's no longer, we don't consider it as strands of yarn anymore. We consider it as one unit. And this is the way a church should be. It's not a bunch of individuals doing their own thing. It is one unit moving together to accomplish what God wants to see accomplished. Another thing about this is that the uniting of believers is called a joint. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Well, think about it now. Just, just think. What is it that a joint does? If we're building a, a or putting up a door and, uh, and on a building, we put a hinge together. What does that do? That unites a door with a wall so that it can move in a certain way. And this is the idea of what a joint is. A joint unites two unique pieces, two unique bones or two unique uh, parts of the body together in such a way so that they can work together to accomplish something. It's very important. Connections uh, are needed for flexibility and for mobility. Uh, the connection allows the individual parts of the body to accomplish something. Can you imagine what your arm would be like if you had no elbow? It would just hang there. Without an elbow, the joint that allows you to be able to move your arm as it should be. Pastor read in Romans chapter 12 about the, the various gifts that God gives to a local church. They, these are the various spiritual gifts and personalities that God unites and fits together and knits together in a local church. If Romans chapter 12 verses 4 and 5, just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, 
a, a, a forearm doesn't do the same thing as a thigh does. And a, a rib doesn't do the same thing as a finger does. They're all different, but they are united together through these joints that God supplies to keep the body together. Verse 5 says, So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. We are part of one another. We belong to each other. That's what a wonderful local church is like, is when everybody feels like they're a part of the thing. And they're not just a group of individuals who just happen to walk into a room. They know they belong there, and they know that they're there to accomplish something together. They're united to the head, all trying to do what he has told them to do, but working together so that they can help each other be better at what they do to accomplish the work of the Lord. It's a wonderful thing when a church is united like that and working together with all the joints working as they should. United believers work properly together. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 16 says the whole body being fitted and held together by whatever joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for building up of itself in love. In the notes that I've given you on page 10 there there's a picture of a man running and there's some red dots on there. Those are to emphasize the value of all of those joints. A man can has a hard time running if his elbow isn't working right, it's all the, the best runners know how to use every motion to increase his speed, uh, to keep his balance, to, to move everything forward in order to be able to run a race or to, or to run a distance. But when a joint stops working properly, it slows everything down. I know pastor knows about this because of his hip his hip replacements. That slowed everything down. I know of a pastor right now who's recovering from a, a knee surgery. He had a knee, a knee replaced and that slows him down. And, uh, and I know one day that'll probably happen to me. It'll slow me down. But for, for right now it's wonderful when all the joints are working like it's supposed to be. We're all connected to each other to accomplish a divine purpose. And a church should be close like that. But there's a danger in closeness. And we need to be careful of that as well. I like what Dean wrote in his book. And let me read this paragraph to you. It's in the middle of page 10 if you're following in your notes. There's a potential downside to closeness to one another. A church can become close, which leads to being closed. Connectivity includes reaching out to new people as well. Don't just talk with your friends when you get to church. When we reopen here in a few few weeks, uh, make sure that the visitors feel like a part of the thing when they walk in. If you see someone new, go over and talk to them. Uh, as a pastor, Dean said this, and I've seen it myself, uh, it's, I've cringed to see a new attender walk through the lobby and everybody who knows each other, they're connected to each other, they're part of the body of Christ, they see this new person walk in and they just kind of stare at him like, well, I don't know. And then they ignore him and go back to their conversation. No, we need to include them and have them to become a part of the thing. Hey, come over here. My name is Dan. Let me encourage you to I'm going to introduce you to, to, to Don or to, to, to Chris or to someone else. And then get them to become a part of it. Let them know that they're glad, they're glad that you're there. Work hard to connect new people to the body 
of Christ. Hey, by the way, remember, the master builder puts the right people together, and he wants them to be knitted together. It takes a little time to knit a sweater. It takes a little time to put them all together. But the master builder sends the right parts together to join them together for the purpose. And who knows, that person may become your best friend and one of your greatest assets in your local church. So, united believers then work together and they build up the local church body. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. We're to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by whatever joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the body, for the, the growth of the body, for the building up of itself in love. You know, connected believers, people who are part of this body, they've, they've, they've been joined together by the Lord, have a wonderful opportunity to minister to each other. It's, it's wonderful to see the young people ministering to the older people, the older people passing along wisdom to the younger people. It's a, it's a wonderful thing to see the men ministering to the women, the women ministering to the men. It's a wonderful thing to see all these things fitting together. Men ministering to one another, women ministering to each other. This is the way God wants it to be, to be connected, to minister to one another. And then when one person in the church is hurting, everybody in the church should reach out to do what they can to be a blessing to them. Let them know, nothing else, I'm praying for you, I'm concerned for you, I care for you. You want to get an illustration of that. Take off your shoes and walk through a dark room and wait to see what happens when you bang your little toe against a corner of a desk or something. What happens? There's an immediate sensation, there's a signal sent from that little toe straight to the head and the head says, everybody stop what you're doing, minister to that toe. And then a man, you know, the body then jumps up and down a little bit and the voice, uh, voices holler a little bit and then everybody bends over and they rub that toe until it, until it quits hurting. We minister to each other. Uh, it's an instantaneous thing that happens. It's a natural thing when you're properly connected to each other. This is the way it should be in a local church. This is the way it should be as we work together. We must be properly joined, first of all, to Christ. That's important. You have to be saved or you're not going to be a part of the body. You can't be a part of the body until you've been born again and included miraculously uh, through the new birth. But then we need to be working to connect and to make sure all of those joints are working properly to accomplish what God wants us to do. It takes a little bit of work. But when we do our part and the Lord does his part, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or the gates of hell, will not prevail against it or overpower it. Listen, it's important that we have those right connections. It's important that we be together as a church. Listen, live stream is not church. It's just not. We do the best we can to communicate truth to you. and uh, we, we sometimes on Tuesday nights have Zoom fellowships and sometimes we have Zoom deacons meetings and sometimes we have other Zoom meetings where we can kind of talk back and forth to each other. But it's not the same as the connection that you find in a good, solid local church. Don't just let yourself become a, a TV Christian. Don't become just an online Christian. Be a real Christian as a part of a local church. All throughout this study, we've been studying the idea of a thriving church. 
and we've been studying all the parts that are included in this. Members who love each other, putting aside personal preferences and differences to worship God and to work together to accomplish His will. And you know, when every member uses the spiritual gifts that God gives to us so that we are fitted together and united together but like a knitting, uh, then, then we find places to minister to each other. And we follow this pattern of the Lord Jesus Christ, our head, who says that we're to speak to each other in truth and love. We're to live and become like the Lord Jesus, who is full of grace and truth. And when we become all of these things and tie these things together, uh, we become the kind of church that God wants us to be. Growth and thriving. We, when we think about growth, many times people think about how many people are sitting in chairs, how many people are sitting in a pew. But I'll tell you what, I've been in buildings, I've been in church services where there's a whole bunch of people sitting in pews next to each other, all looking forward and nobody talking to each other. And there may be a bigger church, but then there are smaller churches where they're actually active and loving one another and united together and accomplishing something. I'd much rather be a part of a church like that. That's the kind of church that is really growing. A big church that's all growing together can really accomplish a lot. So there's nothing wrong with numbers. But the idea of growth has, not, has, has less to do with numbers than it does with being spiritually growing and accomplishing what God wants us to accomplish. We need to be grounded doctrinally. That's very important. We need to have a pastor who preaches and teaches truth. We need to listen to it and build all those unified things around truth. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 and 15 says, We are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ. And then verse 13 says, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Do we want to be a thriving church? Absolutely. How will we know if we're a thriving church? We will know we're a thriving church when we are accomplishing what God wants us to accomplish and doing it for His glory. Now, you have to do your part. Will you do your part? As we close out this study, this 20-week study I think it's been in the thriving church. I want to leave you with two very important questions. How will you respond to all of this? How will you respond to this study? If you've missed a few lessons, go back and get them online. They're available. But here's the question. Number one, are you helping or are you hindering your local church to grow and thrive? Are you helping or are you hindering your local church to grow and thrive. Are you doing your part? Are you fighting against it? Are you just not doing your part? Just ignoring it altogether? That's important. You're the only one who can know that. Everybody else can suspect things, but you're the only one who really knows. And then secondly, what will you do to change or to improve your part in helping your church to grow and thrive? Some of you are very active in the local church. That's great. But is there more that God wants you to do? Or maybe you're doing too much and you need to back off and let somebody else do their part. Only you know what it is that you are doing in that area. Are you doing anything to change or improve 
uh, your part in making your local church to thrive. I hope this lesson has been a help to you. I really do. That's why we started it so long ago. Get the book, read it, study it out, but if, most importantly, stay in God's Word. Now, you can't be a part, again, we've talked about this before, you can't be a part of this local church until, first of all, you've accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. You can't be a part of the local church until you're in agreement what salvation is and what it is to be a part of the membership. May the Lord guide you to do that if you haven't. And if you are, give your heart to the Lord and let Him lead and guide you. Let Him dwell in your heart and you'll be the right member that you should be. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for this wonderful study that we've had in the thriving church. And I pray, Lord, that you help us to take the time now to not only rehearse the information, but to prayerfully consider our own part in all of this. If we need to be saved, Lord, I pray that you help us to come to an understanding of that need. And I pray that you help the people to repent and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. And then, Lord, if there are Christians who have been disobedient, help them to see that need and to repent of that. If they become lazy, I pray that you help them to be rekindled and revived and, 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 and have a renewed desire and a renewed vision for what you want to do through our local church. Help our pastor as he guides us and directs our church as we move forward. And I pray, Lord, that you help each of us to do our part. May the Lord Jesus Christ be glorified as we work together through these critical connections that you've given to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.